Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Lord, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you that you never fail us, Lord God. We thank you, Father, that we can trust and rely and depend upon you, Lord God. We thank you, Father, when everything else is failing around us, Lord, that we can rest in your unchanging hands. So, Father, we thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, you are so welcome here, Holy Spirit. And we pray that you would have your way, not the agenda of man, not my ideas or my perspectives, but, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way. I ask that you would move in this place, Lord. I declare transformation. I declare salvation. I declare healing. I declare deliverance in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, for everything that you've already done. And we have great expectation. We have excitement, Lord, because you never fail, because you're always on time, because you're a wonder-working God, because you're a God of miracles, because you are a creative God. We know that there's nothing impossible for you. So, Father, we just open ourselves up and say, have thine own way, Lord God. Have your own way, Lord God. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, Father. And we love you with an everlasting love. In Jesus' name. And I'm going to ask before you shift, I'm going to ask that you would just hold hands with the person next to you if you're comfortable or put your hand on their shoulder. The Bible says that we are to pray one for another. And now more than ever, we need to pray. Because if we don't pray, nobody else is going to pray. And so I want you to pray for the person next to you. Pray for their family. Pray for their marriage. Pray for their children. Pray for their health. Pray for their wealth. Pray for them. But I want you to pray like you want them to pray when you're going through something. So just intercede right now, just for a few minutes, and ask God to just show up in their lives in a more robust way. Father, you've heard the petitions and the intercessions of your sons and daughters on behalf of those, Lord God, that stand beside them. And we ask, Lord God, that you do it. Whatever is in need, Father, you know exactly where all of us are and what all of us need. And we ask, Lord God, that you would do it, Father. Nothing impossible for you. In Jesus' name, let the saints of the living God say amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. That was phenomenal. Praise God. I could have just continued to worship. 
where I am. So I'm so excited to be here. I love you guys so much. I don't know if anybody told y'all. But I love you guys so much. I love your pastors, and I just want to honor your pastors and honor your pastoral team and your leadership team. I saw you have two new pastors. That's phenomenal. Your elders, your board. I just want to honor. I want to honor you for allowing me to come and share what I believe that God has to say, not just in general, but specifically to the building Christian fellowship. There, how many of you all know that there is a word of God? There's a logos word, which is written in the word, but how many of you all know there's a rhema word for you? And if you don't have a rhema word, I want to encourage you to get in your word and find your rhema word. Pray and ask the Lord to give me the word in which I, I don't, I don't say stand on anymore. I say stand in. I'm standing in the word because I'm a part of it. It's a living, breathing organism. It's not just a book that you open up on occasion. It is life application. It is breathing the breath of life, the Rahu breath upon you to change your situation and to change your circumstance, to bring you out, to bring you in to where God has placed you. Now, some of you all are sitting there and you're like, let's just get on with the word because my football team is playing today. And I'm going to tell you, nobody loves football like I love football, but I love Jesus more. And so I want to just give honor to your pastors because they didn't, the, the entrusting of allowing me to speak to you all today in their absence says a lot in my heart. And so I love them very much. They've, we've been in relationship for decades And um, I just want to say, I'm pleased to be here. And while I was praying for you all this morning and praying about the word that I believe that God has for you this morning, in the middle of me talking, just talking, talking, the Lord was like, "Could could, could you tell them I love them? Could you tell them that I'll do anything for them? Somebody needs to hear that today. Somebody needs to hear that God loves you. The God of creator the God of creation of heaven and earth, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Shalom. God loves you. He created you to be recipients of his extravagant love towards you. And so you need to know that he loves you and he has perfect love. He doesn't have that love that's wishy-washy. He doesn't have that love that's contingent on what you do and what you don't do. His love is unconditional and knows no limits and no barriers. The Bible says that his perfect love cast out all fear. So anything that's bothering you, anything that's nudging at you, anything that's playing on loop in your mind, perfect love I speak to you today. And then he said, I'll do anything for them. And so that's a big check. But then I thought, he sent his son to die on the cross. A gruesome horrific death. It's not the little cute pictures we see with a little stream of blood coming down his head. He was beaten within an inch of his life and he did it for you and I. So there's nothing that God won't do for you. Now I want to put a caveat on that. If you go out and ask him for a fleet of Rolls Royces, you may not do that. I want to put this caveat. When you pray according to his will, you should know that word gnosko. You know that you know that you know. 
you have what it is that you've asked for. James goes on to say, we don't have because we don't ask. And so I want to, this is not even my message, this is the intro. I want you all to be bold in your asking. Because he needs bold soldiers to profess and proclaim that my God is able to do all things. Not a couple of things, but all things. And you are recipients to that all things. We're so caught up in what the enemy is doing and giving him credit for all of these things. And he has power. So if somebody ever told you that he don't have power and authority, they're not telling you the truth. But listen to what Jesus said. God gave me, my father gave me all power in heaven and earth. Now I'm turning around to you, my disciples, and I'm saying now you have all power to tread on the serpents, to walk over the things that the enemy meant for destruction in your life. God is saying, I'm going to turn it around and it's going to be a testimony and you're going to be leading the captives free. Come on, somebody. Transformation is going to come. Salvation to your family is going to come. Healing in your body is is going to come if you would but believe it's time for Christians to stop taking the sideline seat it's time for Christians to stop thinking to, we're second string we're bench warmers listen we are in a war and it is all hands on deck and it doesn't matter what your, your mom said. It doesn't matter that your teacher said that you'll never, ever, ever be of any good. I'm here to break that word curse off your life right now. You are called. You are appointed. You are anointed. You are ordained for such a time as this. Step into the power and the authority that your father has given you. Let's stop letting the enemy wreak havoc in our lives and in our families' lives, in our bodies, in our minds. He has no right and no authority. He is trespassing. And he can get his orders to get on out and go back where he came from. We are children of the Most High God. We are the light of the world. We are what people need to see. The Apostle Paul's life was such that People were jealous. They were like, I just need to be a Christian just because I see your life. And that should be all of our lives. We should have a boldness that people are still saying, here they come who is turning the world upside down. That didn't stop in the book of Acts. That should be you and I today. But we've got to get bold and get out of our comfort zone. And some of us got to get out of sin. He loves you. There's nothing that he won't do for you. So today I wanted to talk to you, and the Lord gave me this word, and i actually been studying this word for a little bit, and I was like, mm, sometimes you have to go, you know, mm, I don't know about that word, but I've learned how to just shut up because he'll, he'll figure it out for me. I don't have to figure out. So I was kind of, I wasn't wrestling with the word because I'm going to be obedient to the best of my ability. But while I was sitting in that chair, he told me why this word right now for you all. This is a word, it's a forerunner's word. Does everybody know what that is? John the Baptist was a forerunner for Jesus. It's a word that prepares the way for other people will come. They're not on the same rotation. They're not on the same track. They're not at the same speed. They're not at the same velocity. You're the one who's setting all of that up. So when they come, the path is a little bit easier. They have an example of how that's supposed to look. 
So this word is a forerunner's word for this house. So I'm speaking right now in the name of Jesus, a forerunner's anointing to go forth and the boldness to match it because you're going to need some boldness. One of the most impressive things, I I do a couple of things at my church. One of the things I do is I'm blessed to be the, uh, the overseeing pastor for young adults. And one of the things I love about the young adults is that they are transparent. They will tell you. Sometimes I'm like, please don't tell me. But they will tell you. And I love that about them. And the problem, though, that I see is I wish that the church collectively, not just the building, not just Liberty, but the collective church, the worldwide church, would be more transparent. And as I was studying this word, I came up with some titles. Y'all ready? Excessive veneration is my title. Everybody's like, what? (laughs) Excessive veneration is placing something above where God would have placed it. So I thought, wow, that's, that's really deep. So we can go with that. That could be sports. It could be gambling. It could be your family. Get ready. It could be ministry. It could be the church. But 2 Corinthians 10.5, the apostle Paul told the church at Corinth, listen, we bring every thought and imagination captive to the obedience of Christ. Anything that tries to exalt itself above Christ is wrong. It's a, it's a wrong spirit. It's a demonic spirit. So I figured that some people would be like, I don't know what that means, excessive veneration. So I have another title in case you want an easier way out. The tail wagging the dog. The tail wagging the dog. The tail wagging the dog is an idiom, and basically it just means that the part that's not supposed to be in charge is in charge. And so we're seeing this come to pass. And the passage that I want to speak to you from is super familiar to people, but I want to give some background before I give the passage. My passage is going to be from Matthew 6, but we got to go a little bit further back to Matthew 5 to talk about this. So the Lord is talking to the masses. You know, wherever he went, there were crowds. And so he was talking to the masses and he was talking to them about everything from money and relationships. He was just giving them some really good knowledge. And then he begins to talk about worry. He began to say, don't worry. And before we get into this, I want to really define worry because sometimes when we're familiar with a word, it diminishes in meaning. It's like it's not that big of a deal anymore. Like people often just say worry is anxiety and we keep it moving. Even though the apostle Paul told the church at Philippi, here's how you deal with worry and anxiety. Pray, supplication, thanksgiving, and make your requests known. Why are you over here worrying when your dad owns everything? The cattle on a thousand hills and you worried about how you're going to pay your rent. Ask the Lord. But I ran across a definition for worry from Wikipedia. And I want to read it to you. It says, worry refers to the thoughts, images, emotions, and actions of a negative nature in a repetitive, uncontrollable manner that results from a proactive cognitive risk analysis made to avoid or solve anticipated potential threats 
and their potential consequences. Did y'all pick up that? I'm going to read it again. Worry refers to the thoughts, the images, and emotions. Actions of a negative nature in a repetitive, it's on loop, uncontrollable, you can't seem to get it under control, manner that results from a proactive cognitive risk analysis made to avoid or solve anticipated potential threats and their potential consequences. It's just an illusion. In this passage, the Lord said to me, if you are a Bible-believing, blood-bought Christian, worry is irrational. There is no reason for you to worry at all. But we have some things that live inside of us that we've allowed to live inside of us, or maybe we don't even know that they're living inside of us, and we're not walking on the promises of the Lord. But today I want you to be free. Today I want you to know that every situation and every circumstance that you ever encounter in life, you can find the solution in the word of God. You can find the solution in prayer. Jesus said in Mark 10, 29 through 30, we're going to do some Bible stuff, so get your Bible. We at church. Jesus said, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, there is no one who has given up a house or a brother or a sister or a mother or a father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake who will not receive a hundred times as much now in the present age today, not in heaven, today, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms along with persecution and in this age to come eternal life anything that you give to the Lord he's going to give it back to you anything you lose for the gospel of Jesus Christ he's going to repay you some tenfold some one hundredfold I'm in the one hundredfold club he's going to repay you for anything that you lose and so when we have this uh, excessive veneration and it's this tail wagging the dog, we're kind of doing whatever it is that we kind of want to do and we've made the gospel of no avail. So I want to read from you the passage that I want to land on. So I want to start in Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to go back just a second. I'm going to go back to... Chapter 6, I'm going to go to to verse 32. I'm going to start at verse 32. So Matthew 6, verse 32. And it looks like I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Bible. For the pagan Gentile eagerly seeks all these things, but do not worry, for your heavenly Father knows that you are in need of them. What he's speaking of is people are worried about what am I going to wear, what am I going to eat, where am I going to live, and he goes on to give them. He's like... The birds don't be planting seeds and doing harvest, and they're well taken care of. Look at the lilies. Look how they're dressed. Aren't you more important to the Father than they are? And we've got people in the 21st century church more worried about the natural things than they are the supernatural things. The natural things the word of God says, they're temporal and they are going to rust and burn up like hay and stubble. It's those eternal things 
that God wants to do in and through you that will last, that will stand the test of time, and they won't be burned up. But here's the passage that I wanted us to land on. It's on the sixth verse, it's on chapter six, and it's on the 33rd verse. But first, and most importantly, seek. That means to aim at, to strive. His kingdom, before I go on, how many of you all know this passage? Seek first the kingdom of God. How many of you all heard this passage like this? Seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be added unto you. If you've heard it that way, do, we forgot something. We easy, saints of God will skip stuff that they don't want to have to deal with in a minute. It's like me pushing aside peas. We will skip some stuff, and even though the peas are good for me, I'm trying to skip that. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God, and then all of these things will be added unto you. So what we see in the tail wagging the dog is I'm going to do all the things. I'm going to make sure that everything is added to me. I'm getting my house in order. I'm getting my stocks and bonds in order. I'm doing all of the things that work for promotion. I've got the best clothes. I'm trying to get this new car. And there's nothing wrong with that if it's in proper perspective. Because the first part, I have learned that when the Bible puts things in order, it means it in that order. So seek first the kingdom of God. The kingdom is more than eating and drinking. The kingdom is righteousness, peace in the Holy Ghost. Being filled with his spirit. Righteousness means right standing. But I want to put a word out here for you. It says his righteousness. Our righteousness, the Bible says, is of filthy rags. They don't have nothing to do with nothing. And I'm going to show you as we take a look at Acts, we're going to walk a little bit with Saul before he became the apostle Paul. People want to bag on, I mean, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, over two-thirds of the New Testament. But when we see him as Saul, we got stuff to say. How dare he? He was crucified a Christian. So are you. Every time you're not praying for your fellow Christians, you're, you're persecuting them. Every time somebody comes to you and you got a snide remark or I don't really like you or I don't really want to be in uh, communication with that person or I don't want to be in relationship with that person, we're persecuting them. Our righteousness is filthy rags. But the apostle Paul said he talked about his righteousness. Before he became the apostle Paul, Saul was a, he was a mess. He was a mess, but he was walking in his own righteousness. I'm going to just give you a revelation if you haven't already gotten it because you guys are, are scholars. You guys are theologians. So he thought he was doing right. He thought he was doing right. The Bible says in the last days, even the elect will be deceived. You know how not to be deceived? Know your word and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And listen and be obedient to what he says. Righteousness is walking in the way of righteousness. Like you, you can't even get a word away from the word. I don't like when you define a word with the word. But it's, it just means right standing with God. And that is his righteousness. And so the apostle Paul, he starts off as Saul. He's crucifying Christians. He got orders to go and do it. 
They were like, yeah, go ahead and, and, and do that. That's fine. In Acts 8, verses 1 through 3, it says, Now Saul was consenting to his death. He's talking about Stephen. They're stoning Stephen, and Saul is standing there like big man on the campus. Matter of fact, after they got done stoning him, they all laid their coats down at Saul's feet. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was in Jerusalem. How many of you all know right now, today, as we speak, as I'm breathing right now, that there is an enemy who is against Jerusalem, an enemy who is against Israel? We got to know our word. The Bible says that we're supposed to pray for Jerusalem. They are God's chosen people. I'm going to just take a rabbit trail right here. If it were not for the Jewish people, we would never be sown into and grafted into the vine. We would not have received all of the blessings that we have had not it been for the Jewish people. I'm just telling you. I'm just saying. Hamas even means in the Old Testament violence. We're not praying against the Palestine people, we're not praying against anybody who is right standing with God. We're not praying for anyone who's innocent. We're not doing that. We're praying for, against terrorism. We're praying against murder. We're praying against evil. And in the same day in Acts, in the first century church, here we go. There was a big, big persecution rising against Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem. And so they were scattered all throughout the regions of Judah and Samaria, except the apostles. Except for the members of the building Christian fellowship. When stuff was getting hot, they came to pray. When stuff was going awry, they got in their word. They stood in their word. They quoted what God said. They put him in remembrance of his word. They were not moved. They were like the trees planted by the rivers of water. They were not moved. We need that in the church, except for the apostles. And the devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made a great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house, listen, and dragging off men and women committing them to prison, rightfully doing so, because he thought he was right. You know why he thought he was right? Because it was his own righteousness. It was that religious spirit. Remember, I told you excessive veneration can also be the church. You're putting, it's basically an idol. Anything that you're putting before God is an idol. And so by his own admission, Acts 9, 1 through 6 says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked a letter for a letter from them in the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, that's what they call Christians back then, of the way, we were of the way, we're of the way. Whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus. So no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And so this is what the Lord will do. He will avenge you. So he's on the road to Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, listen, who are you? There's a comma there. We always go, who are you, Lord? Who are you? 
Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, the one whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he trembled and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord gave him instructions from there. God is waiting for us to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? All we do is what we feel like we're supposed to do. I'm supposed to come to church every Sunday. I'm supposed to go to choir rehearsal. I'm supposed to pray. I'm supposed to read my Bible. But this was a transforming moment for Saul. And he turned into Paul. So listen, his ministry, because he was of Jewish descent, his ministry, God didn't go, go, go preach to the Jews. His ministry was to the Gentiles. His ministry would have been so easy if he was able to preach to the Jews. This is why. Philippians 3, 4 and 11. Philippians 3, 4 and 11. This is Paul's own admission. This is his own words. He's talking to the church at Philippi. He says, though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks that he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, I was persecuting the church. Concerning the righteousness, which is the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have count loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Listen, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness is from God by faith. My right standing is from God by faith. He had all of these things. I'm a religious leader. That's the whole excessive veneration. I've placed everything in an order that God did not place in that order. And then I had to be struck blind on the road to Damascus for God to shift things. But aren't you so glad that he loves you so much that he will tilt the universe to get you back on track? He's shifting things. And then I want to tell you, though, if you will stand for him, he will always stand for you. There are things in our lives, in all of our lives, we walk through a fallen world. Things tend to cleave and attach themselves to us. Our thoughts are, we're watching TV. I'm like so upset that every time October rolls around, you're going to make me watch horror stuff because it's a commercial. But let me tell you that demons are real. Spirits are real. You're messing around with things and you're opening doors of access for them to come and have a legitimate reason to be in your house. And then once they're in your house, they're in your wife's house, they're in your kid's house, they're in everybody who comes in contact because let me just tell you that spirits are transferable. But if you'll stand for him, if you'll put things in their proper place, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he'll add everything else. He'll take care of everything else. I want to bring your attention to a story that you probably heard when you were in kindergarten. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you take a look at Daniel, Daniel chapter 1 sets up the whole scene. 
him and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, they're like, we're not going to eat from the king's table. They weren't trying to do a coup. It wasn't rebellion. They were following Jewish law. There were some things that they were not supposed to partake in. They didn't want to open themselves up to stuff. How many Christians know that we are still opening ourselves up to stuff? Whether it's through the music that we listen to, whether it's through the food that we're eating, we're opening up ourselves through the food that we're eating. There's cancers and sickness and disease and we're overeating and we're giving the enemy just the rights and authority. We're like, here's your, here's your permission slip to come and wreak havoc on my life. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel were like, we're not doing that. And then the Bible, if you remember, it says that they turned out to be wiser and look better than everybody else. But it didn't stop there. God promoted them. God promoted them over massive areas. Like, the, you're in bondage. You're, we, we brought you. We came, we conquered, and we brought you. You're in bondage. But why are he being promoted? Because promotion comes from the Lord. And if you'll stand for him, he'll stand for you. So they had another opportunity when King Nebuchadnezzar in all of his vanity creates a statue. Listen, 90 feet tall. That's tall. 90 feet, nine feet wide. 90 feet tall, nine feet wide. And then he has the audacity to say, tell them whenever they hear the first sound of the music. Whenever her note comes the first sound of her nerve, everybody's got to fall down. And when I was studying this, I just, I just saw this wave of people falling down. And Nebuchadnezzar was evil. So I could see him going, play another note. They fall down. They get back up. Play another note. They fall down. They get back up. Because he's evil and he's wicked. And that's what the enemy does. He puts repetition in our lives and in our heads. Do it. Do it. Do it. And they were like, we're not bowing down. Matter of fact, we're going to open up the windows. We're going to pull back the drapes. We're going to be bold and we're going to pray. We're going to pray to the one and only living God. We don't care who sees us. We don't care what you think. And the edict was, if you don't bow, you will die. And they were like, you can kill the flesh, but we're going to spend our eternity how many of us need to be those people that says, no matter what, Father, I will follow you. No matter what, Lord God, I will be obedient to you. No matter what it looks like, if my friends leave me, if my friends forsake me, if my job wants to get rid of me, if every trial and tribulation bumps up against me, what am I going to do? I'm going to come to the Father because you said, if I would seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, that you would handle everything else. The add all others is not all material things. The add all others is your spiritual things. The add all others is the protection of your children. The add all others is the protection of your home. The add all others is the protection of your pastors. The add all others is everything. Everything. And everything in Greek means everything. We don't care. I'm sorry if I get excited. I ain't sorry. Never mind. So the Bible says in Daniel chapter 3, Daniel 3, I'm going to read 16 and 18. It says, Shagmat, Meshach, and Abednego. So they got busted out. So these guys who are like, hey, uh, so you know them guys that you promoted? The devil. You know them dudes that you promoted? They're not bowing to you. Now you feeding Nebuchadnezzar got ego. Well, what do you mean? They're not bowing to you. But look how the Lord softens his heart. 
He calls them in and he says, is it true? I'm going to give you another chance. And I'm going to tell you right now, I know we don't know what we would do until it happens. We always, we quick now, like we like backseat drivers. We quick to say what we would do in that moment. I used to tell people all the time, God knew not to make me a slave because I would have been, you know, doing stuff. And my mother was like, your foot would have been cut off. Your hand would have been cut off. You're not going to do everything that you think to do. So I'm not bashing anything in this story. But I think that you need to see. You need to see that even in the midst of this, even in the midst of what seemed to be kindness. Because how many of you all know? My God, that the enemy masks around like the like an angel of light. He will give you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. He will say, hey, I will give you that car that's been your heart's desire. And you take that car. Hey, I got this house that you probably wanted. And you take that house. Hey, he just reeling you in and reeling you in because he does not like you. He hates you. And he is here to steal, kill, and destroy. And his greatest mission is to discount the acts and the power and the authority of God. And he does it through the Christian. He don't have to do it through the sinner. The sinner is not living the life. You're living the life. So after all of that, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have to answer. And they answered the king. They said, oh, Nebuchadnezzar. I feel like when I, when I read this, because how many of you all know that the Bible is action, adventure, and, and romance, and everything that you want to be watching on the big screen, it's in your Bible. And when I hear him say that, I hear them say, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to answer you on this point. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to rescue us from the furnace of the blazing fire. And he will rescue us from your hands. Like, how bold are you talking to the king that way? Oh, king, but even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, how many of us are in the posture of, Lord, even if you don't heal my body, even if the finances don't come through, even if my children walk away for a season, even if I'm going to serve you, but even if he doesn't, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up in this passage. God is giving us a instead of if you will seek me first and not seek the world. I want to seek the things of the world. I want to be popular. I want to be a YouTuber. I want to have a podcast. I want to do all these things and he will bless your talents. Please hear me. I'm not saying anything against those things. Only if you have done that and then you're asking God to bless it. He's saying that if you will come to me first, if you will seek my face and not my hand, if you're not always asking for me, gimme, 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 if you will seek first the kingdom, peace in the kingdom, righteousness in the kingdom, if you'll seek that first, I'll give you whatever it is that you need to have that's according to my will, my righteousness, if you will just not let the tail wag the dog. If you will just put things in their proper perspective. God is a good God. He's a phenomenal father. I know that he's a phenomenal father. My parents were married for 27 years. And my father had an affair. 
They're both Christians. He was a pastor. Very influential in our town. Named the first black man of a savings and loan, president of a savings and loan. Very influential. He had an affair, and my whole life came crashing down. And so for years, I didn't, I, I, I can't with you. Because what you're saying ain't true. Look at my family. Look at my mother struggling. My mother's got to go back to school. My father's not paying child support. He done married this woman that he had an affair with. And you're trying to have a relationship with me. I hate you. Matter of fact, I'm going to do one better. I hate men. But God loves us. He's a good father. But I couldn't see that because I'm looking at my, the heavenly father through the lens of my earthly father. Fathers, you are so important in the lives of your daughters. Your sons too, but in the lives of your daughters. So I grew up in church and I moved away. I joined the military and my father would like, he would like, like he was tracking me. I don't know if he had a private investigators, like what's going on with her? I didn't want to have anything to do with him. I remember I got a promotion in the Air Force one time and they were like, we're writing, a, well, many times, but this specific time I'm writing, we're writing letters to your mom and your dad. I said, don't write him no letter. Don't tell him nothing about me. I don't like him. I got out of the military and I rededicated my life to Christ. And one day I'll come back and tell you that testimony because it's incredibly supernatural because God is a good God. Amen. He knows what you need and he, do, he does it the way you can receive it. So I was fasting. I got saved. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm on fire. I'm still on fire. I'm on fire for God. I'm like, let's take the world. We're pinky in the brain. Let's take the world over with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's do it. And I'm in my kitchen, washing dishes, praying, just praying, just like, Lord, I just love you. Just glorify your name. You are so holy. There is none like you. Who you are awesome, Father. And I was the only person in the house, so I can't prove this. But I felt like I heard the audible voice of God, and it was very quick. He said, you can't love me and hate your father. I didn't even jar. I didn't even stir. I put the dish in the sink, and I turned around, and I picked up the phone. I don't even know how I had my father's number. And I called my dad, and he picked up the phone. And I said, Dad, I love you. I'm sorry. This is the perfect picture of Jesus. You know what my father said? Because he also came back to the Lord. You know what he said? He said, I never doubted it. He stood firm, and our relationship began to build. There are things in our lives that we're going to have to let go if we're going to seek the kingdom. You can't seek the kingdom in, in sin. And some of us are not in sin, but some of us are bound. And some of us are bound, and it had nothing to do with us. You picked it up through childhood, and it's been chasing you and trailing you ever since. But the Lord wants you to know that if you'll lay those things down and seek him first and his righteousness, that he will add the deliverance, he'll add the healing, he'll add everything that you need. But we can't have the expectation 
that everything is going to work out all right. Because here's the bottom line. I am who I am. Here's the bottom line. There's only two people that you can be serving. And if you're not serving Jesus, you're serving the devil. Seeking first the kingdom of God. So I just want to take a moment and I want to just ask you all, if there's something in your life, and it could be like I didn't even, I wasn't even thinking about it like that. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you anything that you have done, excessive veneration, anything where the tail is wagging the dog, anything that you have placed above where God would have you place it or you've placed above God yourselves. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to show you. And I'm going to ask that if you're serious about walking with Jesus, and some, we're all on different, we're all at different levels. But I'm going to tell you now, this is a forerunner's message because God gave you this message because you're going to need to get it together because there's people coming behind you that are going to bank off the fact that you got it together. So I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to shine a spotlight. And here's what you do. When he shows you, repent. Repent means stop from going your way and go his way. So you're going to repent and you're going to ask God to forgive you. And then some of you all are going to need further counseling. Some of you all are going to need deliverance. But I'm going to tell you, I've been bound and I've been free and free is better. My platform is get free at all costs because the enemy has no problem keeping you in bondage. But you're missing out on things, not that you can't be saved because some of this stuff has nothing to do with you, but God wants you to be free. He sent his son to die on the cross. The word is sozo, S-O-Z-O. It means salvation, healing, and deliverance. He didn't just die on the cross so you'd be saved. He died on the cross so you could be healed. He also died on the cross so you could experience deliverance. And so I'm going to ask God to show you. And so you repent, and some of you all will need some follow-up. Some of you all might have to write a letter. Some of you all might have to do a text. Some of you all might have to make some phone calls. I want to encourage you to do it. Be free. Get free. Get free. Get free. And so I'm going to ask the Lord to show you. And then if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, today is the day of salvation. What are you waiting on? Tomorrow's not promised to any of us. What are you waiting on? I'm telling you, it's better to be in Christ than outside of Christ. And all of the things, I just sensed this, all of the things that you have looked at that he didn't do this and he didn't do that and this person didn't get help and this on and on and on and on and on. Listen, no man knows like God knows. His plans and his ways are not ours. And sometimes you're going to get, oh, that makes sense now. And it might be 10 years up the road. Some of us are going to have to wait to heaven to understand. But let me set you free. Knowing why never changes anything. So if you don't know Jesus and you can't know Jesus from your parents, you can't know Jesus from your husband, like you got to have a personal relationship with Jesus yourself. Or maybe you knew Jesus and you got disillusioned because things not going your way. You thought it was a get rich quick scheme. He wants you to come home. I just told you that story about my dad. It's a perfect example of the father just waiting for me to come home. He loves you better and greater than any other person could ever 
And I promise you that. So we're going to start off and if that's you, if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, I'm not going to ask people to bow their heads because we sin boldly. Let's profess boldly. So if you don't know Jesus, don't even turn down the lights. Nope. If you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, I want you to stand up. We're not going to make you give a testimony. You don't have to confess your sins to us. We confess our sins to Jesus. You don't have to confess them. Amen. And I'm going to invite those who once walked with Christ and now you know, you know you're not walking the way that you're supposed to walk. You know you're not walking according to the way that he's called you to walk. Don't get caught slipping. Come to the altar and rededicate your life to the one who loves you unconditionally. I'm sorry that man let you down. But he never will. I'm going to give you a couple more minutes because I know that I know that there's more. And then we're going to pray. And we're going to be happy because the Bible says in Luke that all the angels in heaven are rejoicing over one that's redeemed. You still have time to come. If you don't know him or you walked away from him, you still got time to come. Come on. Come into the arms of the Father. Let him love you. Let him take those things that were meant for destruction and turn them around for your good. His word is true. I'm a couple more minutes. There's more people. All of that heart palpitation and that you uncomfortable and you shifting in your seats. That's the Holy Spirit. That's called conviction. It's not condemnation. It's conviction. And conviction is to motivate you to go the right way. So if that's you, y'all should be glad you're not at my old church because they would just come and pull you up out of the seat. One more second. The Lord loves you. Listen how much he loves you. He brought you here for this message on this day to sit in that seat. It wasn't by no chance or circumstance. Your people didn't drag you here. The Holy Spirit said, it's time. It's time. There's gifts and calls on your life. It's time. There are souls attached to your life. It's time. Don't come up to me later and be like, I was supposed to be at the altar. Come now. Come now. Hey! now hallelujah 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 come on saints hallelujah look at what the Lord has done look what the Lord is doing Look at these young people. Look at these people coming to the altar. Come on, saints. 